thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Our next guest is an award-winning DNI innovator, engineering trailblazer, and philanthropist. Welcome, William A. Adams. Hello, hello. Given our audience such a brief bio, and I love your title about tech as a path to black wealth. So why yes. don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and your business? Okay, so my name is William A. Adams. I've been uh, a tech guy all my life, I'm 57. So I was, uh, I was already into tech um, when I was 12 years old which was the birth of personal computers. And I'm uh, self-taught. I went to UC Berkeley. I um, saw the birth of the internet, uh, the birth of cell phones, all of this, all of the tech in the last 40 some odd years, basically. And for the last 24 years, I've been at Microsoft being a engineering manager, a, a, an architect, you know, you name it. Uh, but largely tech. And in the last few years, since uh, 2015, um, I created a program called LEAP, which was about hiring women and minorities um, into tech roles at the company, because at that time, and even still today, it's uh, very hard to see people in those roles who look like us. Um, so I, I've uh, done a lot of that sort of thing. I was uh, the first tech advisor to our um, then new CTO, Kevin Scott, uh, CTO, Chief Technology Officer for Microsoft. Um, and I've just done lots of things. And now I'm, I'm trying to drive more for my tribe because I recognize that doing all this tech stuff uh, leads to wealth and more of us should be doing it. So I'm trying to do that, help people do that. When you talk about um, driving more to um, our tribe and more should get into tech, what advice would you give someone who is interested in getting into tech? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is to recognize um, what is tech, right? And this has changed over the years. When I first got into tech, it very clearly meant pretty hardcore, low-level computer programming and even hardware design. Uh, but over the years, uh, tech has swallowed everything. So it doesn't mean that you have to get a job at a Microsoft. Um, what I tell people is, uh, well, you do need tech because tech is the, the wealth generator. The best jobs, uh, the best paying jobs are tech related in some way. But it could be in farming. It could be about statistical analysis. It might be about robotics and driving tractors. It might be about factory automation and robotics. Um, but there's many paths that have tech in them. And the key thing is to find your passion. And I just mean your personal passion. It could be anything. It could be into woodworking. And then find a tech angle to it. And that's what's going to lead you uh, to some practice where you're actually, maybe it's programming, maybe it's something else, but you're actually doing some the tech part of it, right? That's that's the best way to get into it. The hardest way to get into it is to say, I'm going to go and buy a book on JavaScript programming and I'm going to learn JavaScript. It's like, ah, you're going to get bored. You're going to get burned out. You're not going to like it because there's no there's no connection to you. There's no passion. Right. 
What problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve? The problem. Uh, that's a big one. Um, the problem that I'm trying to solve is has to do with uh, self-determination and agency. Uh, the problem, and I'm very focused on what I'll call melanin-enhanced people, um, because as uh, we know the diaspora out of Africa spreads around the world. So it's not just African-Americans. Um, I like help people in, in Africa, Kenya, Nigeria, and even the U.S. Virgin Islands. But the basic challenge we have is one of self-determination. I want to help people decide for themselves their fate and not only be controlled by larger forces that are larger than them, um, and oftentimes it's simply a matter of economics. You know, uh, right now we're seeing in Mississippi a whole town of people who can't get water. Why? Well, because they've systemically been limited in certain ways and their system deteriorates. If they had more self-agency and self-determination, uh, that wouldn't be happening because they would be able to create their own water uh, control board and uh, get their clean water, right? So helping people with uh, agency is the bottom line. And doing that through um, wealth generation, through technology. Advice you wish you had followed? Well, that's, that's a challenging one because younger me was pretty cocky and probably wouldn't follow much advice. Um, but the the one piece of advice, I, I if I had to go back to my younger self and say, young man, you know, you, here's some advice for you, um, is probably two pieces. The first one is is simple. It's be kind to yourself uh, because the world isn't always kind to you and, and no one's going to be more kind to you than yourself. So be kind to yourself. Uh, don't beat yourself up. Uh, and the, the second advice has to do with uh, career growth and development. I mean, 24 years at Microsoft um, has enhanced, enriched, you know, uh, made me wealthy, all that sort of stuff. But I stayed too long. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where you have to always have a vision and mission of where you're trying to go and get there sooner. Um, don't become complacent is the bottom line. Uh, that's the advice I give myself is don't become complacent. What book would you recommend and why? I think you're on mute, William. You're right, I saw it. Uh, the first one um, is a biography of my most favorite inventor, which is Nikola Tesla. Um, and reading his biography inspired me when I was pretty young um, because it was just this inventor, you know. Now, other books I read at the same time were about uh, civil rights leaders uh, of the 60s and even 50s. And most recently, I've been reading a lot of... Um, Malcolm X and uh, Baldwin, you know. But if I had to go back as, a, as the nerd that I am, the Tesla book is one, uh, the biography of Nikola Tesla. Uh, and then any speech, any, I, it, it's dramatic how inspired I've gotten by listening to Malcolm X in the last two years. Whereas before that, I hadn't really listened to him at all. 
amazing for how old I am, but I never really listened to them. Um, and it's not in, it's not inspirational from the militant standpoint. It's like, yeah, 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 you know, but it, he just calls things like they are, including calling out black folks for being the way we are and believing what we believe. And it was just a kind of a wake up, right? So if you, if you want to get woken up, <laughs> uh, Malcolm X, uh, if you're a geeky nerd like me, um, the biography of Nikola Tesla, uh, yeah, that would be about it. Tell us the story behind why do you do what you do? Um, the story is truly about uh, just a process of discovery, uh, enlightenment. And it's uh, it goes like this. I, I've been in tech forever, like I said. And in 2014, 15, you know, I'm 40 years old and... I was about to head to India for the company to train our engineers how to be better engineers. And I spent some time in Hawaii where a good friend of mine uh, had a house and kind of sat on the beach, you know, as I was going through a divorce, it's midlife crisis time. And I just sat on a beach and went, okay, what am I doing? What have I done? What am I going to do different? Why am I going to do anything? And I really sat down and created what I called my life creed. And these are just the words I live by. And it has to do with being, uh, everything is about learning. Um, I'm intentional, I'm fearless, and I'm empathetic, right? These are the words, the core words I live by. And along the way, so then I went off to India uh, to train all the engineers how to be Microsoft engineers. And along the way, um, and that was in 2006, Nine years later, I came to this uh, this leap opportunity, the opportunity to hire women and minorities. And at that point, it was the first, uh, we did it in cohorts, and the first cohort was eight ladies. And it was kind of a mechanical thing. I was an engineer who was just like, all right, we can knock this out. We'll just get these people and, you know. Here's, here's the curriculum and we'll get them these jobs and you know that's the end of it. But after the second or third cohort, it turned into a cause like, oh, this isn't just something I should do. This is something I must do. And the difference being, it became kind of when you stand up in a large corporation and say, we're going to get a bunch of women and minorities in here. There are plenty of people who don't want you to succeed at that. And plenty, and if you don't have a clear, um, mission, personally driven mission to succeed at that, uh, you'll probably fail. You'll probably give up. You'll probably at some point say, ah, this isn't worth it. So I just felt I got a calling, if you will, that this is the time. I was the person. This is the opportunity. I call it, this was my civil rights moment. And uh, I was motivated. And lo and behold, here we are. But seven years later, we've hired hundreds of people and the, the program is now worldwide and federally accredited and all these other sorts of things. So it, it just evolved over time from something that I could do to something that I felt I must do. And it empowers um, my, my supposed tribe, right? That's the story behind what I do. And from the various cohorts, William, that you've had, and I'm sure you have many stories. Share one of the most profound stories 
that has impacted someone's life and that they came back and told you? Yeah, you're right. There are many stories. And one, I actually did a, a video um, series with one of the people that went through the program. And it's, a, it's, it's classic and it's also unique. This woman, uh, a Black woman who had a child in, while she was getting a degree in college, um, had a, a couple of computer science oriented degrees, was having a hard time getting a job. And she went through the program um, and it transformed her life. And this is the commentary that comes from a lot of people that go through the program because most of them just would not have a chance. I mean, they just don't come from the right school or they don't have the right resume or whatever. They just don't have a chance and they go through and they come out and it's like, I now have stability. I have self-determination. I have this um, good paying job. My child is going to uh, live a much better life than they would have otherwise. My family around me is going to be better supported. Uh, because once you get a, a high paying job for one person, you're, you're helping a village, right? Uh, you're helping a lot of people. So that one person, that single mom, um, got the job, got the good pay. She's really good at what she does. Her child is going is having a better life, better outcomes, probably going to college where she might not have otherwise. All that. Uh, that's just your typical story. I mean, there's other stories of women who are returning to work. They already had a CS degree. They were already in tech, but once you leave for six or seven years to raise the family. No one lets you back in. <laughs> so there's plenty of stories like that as well. And in another 20 years, um, we'll see these stories play out as the children of these people and the communities around them are going to have better outcomes. Um, so those are, those are just some of the stories uh, based on at least U.S. population. There's other stories related to Kenya and Nigeria that we could go into. So have you traveled to Nigeria and Kenya for the program? Yes, um, back in uh, 2017, I think it was end of 2017, I took a trip to Ni both Nigeria and Kenya, the same trip, five days, <laughs> two days in each place. And we just um, were on a mission. We were just looking at the continent of Africa and it's, it's interesting to speak to Americans about Africa because um, most Americans or a lot of Americans just think, oh, Africa is like one big country. It's like, no, there's like 54 countries over there. And the landmass is ginormous. It's gigantic. It's a, it's a huge percentage of the planet. And our company had zero engineers there. And there's 1.2 billion people on the continent. And it just didn't make sense, right? We, we have a mission to empower every person on the planet to achieve more. And here we were, uh, 1.2 billion people, not really on our radar. So I said, okay, we're going to hire people. Um, so, and this was in, uh, while I was in Kenya and I, I came back home and immediately turned around and hired one person. And then that person helped us hire four or five other people. And then we hired, um, 
think it was a total of about 12 people. Um, and then within a year, our larger teams like Office and Windows came. And um, now between uh, Nigeria and Kenya, we have about 650 employees. Um, back in April, we announced a new office building in Kenya and uh, on and on like that. So I went and I just laid it down and said, we're hiring. <laughs> that was the end of it. And now we are. Uh, so there you go. And let me ask you, if someone is interested in the program, how would they get um, access to it? Well, the LEAP program itself um, has a website. So it's microsoft.com slash LEAP. L-E-A-P. Uh, and the way that works is they open up the website every once in a while for applicants. And I, I think they clearly say on there, okay, we're going to be opening up in the fall for the you know fall series or the summer series or whatever. Uh, so you just go and look and see what the program's about. And at the right time, you apply. Uh, and then you go through an interview process and um, you try to get in. And talk about the curriculum. What are um, what are some of the things that they're teaching? And are they doing anything um, around data um, analysis? Yeah, when we when we first started the program, it was pretty straightforward. It was uh, software engineers, so we taught some amount of programming. And the first part of the program is like four or five um, weeks. So the first four weeks of the program, you're in a kind of a classroom setting. Now it's a virtual classroom. And you're learning things like C-sharp, which is one of our programming languages and how to use our tools and, and whatnot. And they're just getting you ready for working within a team at Microsoft. And then you spend roughly 12 weeks with a team at Microsoft as if you were a college uh, intern, you know, doing college intern sort of stuff. Um, since the beginning of the program, we then expanded to include PMs, which are project managers, uh, then another role called technical PM, and then uh, UX designers, user interface designers. Um, now they have uh, cybersecurity. Uh, we have people converting over from our data centers. So there's, there's, I think, a total of about 12 different disciplines that we go through and have curriculum, uh, curriculum for. Um, so it's not just software engineering roles anymore. It's all sorts of different kind of roles. So that, that's how they do it. So the curriculum is appropriate for whatever the role is that you're going into, whether it be, um, you mentioned data, you know, data scientists. Uh, that's one of the, the roles. It's not quite the at the level of the, I got a PhD in, in data science, um, but there's other aspects of it that are certainly there about learning about statistics and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, we have curriculum for multiple disciplines and they have um, jobs available for multiple disciplines. Thank you for that. And then individuals that are um, interested, is it super competitive? Do they have certain requirements like age requirements or age restrictions on that? Um, so if you can share about that. 
Yeah, there's no restrictions based on that. I mean, the the whole idea of the program is to be a cast a wide open net rather than putting up more bars that you have to try to jump over. Uh, and just for the age thing, to give you an example, and, and this may have changed since um, I first knew about this, um, but very early days on, the, the youngest person we had in the program was 19. Fresh out of high school, didn't go to college yet, but he was just brilliant. So he was the youngest. Um, I doubt there's been anyone younger than him at this point. And then for the oldest is a, a retired airline pilot who was 72. And he went through the program and he actually got hired and uh, did great. So there's no, there's no age restriction at all. Um, it's more like you, you will want to do something in the intended discipline you're going after. Um, it is not a primary academy. We usually take people who've gone through an academy or a community college or something. So you've done something already to prepare yourself for the job. It's, it's not the first place you start. But beyond that, there's, there's no restrictions. Let's talk about mental wellness and being in the tech industry. That's a good topic. <laughs> How would you like to talk about it? However you see fit. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll, I guess I can start with my own mental wellness and um, uh, I'll try not to ramble on too much. But the, the key thing for me and mental health um, is you have to realize that being a programmer, for example, is a very cerebral activity, meaning you're in your head all the time. And the best programmers can visualize systems in their head. Um, I, I used to program in my sleep, you know, I mean, it's a very um, inward focused thing. To balance that, I've learned over the years, you, I have to do things that are external and more physical. So I took up woodworking, for example, because um, if you're always in your head, you know, that's not the best place to be. You start to not be able to interact um, with people externally. So working with wood is uh, something that externalizes, it forces me to get out of my head and use my hands. Um, certainly interacting with people, uh, I have a wife, I have uh, children, um, setting aside specific time for that and not getting stuck in the trap of, oh, I'm just gonna code, you know, 24 seven. Um, those are the kinds of things that I've done over the years. And I try to make a conscious effort um, to deal with my mental health because I know how easy it is to slip into traps. And I'll give you another um, example. At one point when I was a, a development manager of a pretty large group, I would get about 400 emails a day uh, that I had to process. And they could be anything as simple as, oh, this piece of code over here is has some error in it and you need to pay attention to it. And those would happen all the time. But some of them would be from the CEO of the company saying, oh, this customer said they have this problem. You better pay attention to it. So you have to sift through all of these emails and you had to get to a, a place where you can quickly assess whether it's something you need to pay attention to or not. Right. So you, you look at the title, you read a couple lines and you throw it in the pile of 
pay attention or don't worry about it, pay attention later. So you get doing this. And what I found was I was starting to lose my short-term memory because of this practice where I would just rapidly sift through things. And I could not remember someone's phone number if they told me um, outside of work because it's like, okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I want to remember this. I want to remember this. And then within seconds, I'd forget because the brain was at this, not that important, right? So I had to spend actually a couple of years countering that to, to come up with practices for not losing my memory too quickly. Um, and that's a mental health practice, because if you don't do that sort of thing, you'll find yourself just losing it, right? So that's, those are just some examples of um, mental health. And of course, taking breaks, taking those, when the company says, we're going to give you personal health days, take them, <laughs> right? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people in tech will just power through and, and like, no, nah, I don't need that. I, you know, we have a hero culture where um, the heroes stand up and they just take it and they, they power through everything. It's like, yeah, maybe a couple decades ago, but that's not required now. You just, you need to take care of yourself or you're not going to last very long and you'll burn out and you'll be out of tech. So uh, there you go. We want to thank our listeners for joining. And if anyone has a question for William A. Adams, let us know. So William, tell us, what is your zone of genius? I, I, I'm going, wow, zone of genius. I don't know. I th I'm not sure what zone is, but if I have any genius at all, it's in uh, pattern recognition and and being able to, um, I don't know, play a bit of Nostradamus, looking into the future. So what I, one of the reasons why I was um, a technology advisor to our CTO was ability to look into the broad spectrum of technologies that are out there and synthesize uh, futures, right? Which means where is, um, we know that computers are going to get more powerful in the future. How powerful are they going to get? And in 15 years, what is that going to mean to us? And coming up with a synthesis that says, well, let me tell you a story. This is what it's going to mean. This is what it's going to look like. Um, and that I would say that that also extends to the LEAP program. When we started the program, um, mechanically and tactically, it was simply about hiring women and minorities. Uh, and that's like, okay, take the following 10 steps. But really what I did was I looked 10 years into the future uh, and said, well, to truly transform our culture on this, um, on this particular axis, we need to create something that's going to last um, a, a, a meme, if you will. Uh, we need to create something that's going to transform the culture because we're only going to hire a few hundreds of people but in 10 years, we need those people that we hired to be in positions where they are now the hiring managers and they'll hire hundreds more people and then we'll be thousands of people. And that was um, the insight I had to go to Africa as well, because I recognized that uh, if you want to get a lot of people, you need to go where those people are <laughs> so, and not just sit in Redmond all the time and think that people are going to come. So if, if I have any genius at all, it's being able to look far into the future and create uh, processes or programs that are going to land us with a, de a desired outcome and not just be narrowly focused on the immediate, like, 
hire 50 people. It's like, ah, how do we, how do we hire thousands of people or even better? How do we create, um, uh, wealth for, uh, melanin enhanced people around the planet? Some of it's hiring, some of it's about, um, helping them create businesses that are going to get acquired. But so going back, the genius is just being able to look at the future and, and, plan out stepping stones that are going to lead to that outcome that I wanted. Thank you for that. And we do have a caller and we'll take the caller. Go on caller. Yeah, I, I find what you're doing is interesting in using tech to get around. Um, I guess the like 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 how like how society is structured the bullshit of society and how it's structured is kind of like um, a reverse of escaping the matrix and how I kind of see it I kind of see like how things are in in reality and how it's designed a good way to escape that matrix is to use technology and I've always kind of been interested in that and developing like the social media and seeing that a lot of people are getting that and they're making themselves a product and they're doing it in a way where they can make passive income. They could broaden their platforms and have multiple platforms and uh, taking in many people and where you could, and where there's a lot of branching off into other avenues uh, and doing other things and, connecting with people and it's a way to get around with the bullshit education system too. I mean, you could, uh, have access to information online and self teach and teach yourself or it, 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 it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's like, like, like when you, when you, when you mentioned melanin, I, uh, I, I, I get where you're coming from because of like, there's like a caste system when it comes to that, a color cast and, it sounds interesting where you're talking about approaching things in a way to dismantle that. And, and one more thing, I, I, I know like a lot of the uh, attack that is being done at people of colors, a lot of it is an economic driven thing and where you have people more think about other things that aren't really relevant in their lives that don't matter in identity politics than focus on the problems that do matter in their lives and where um if if this is if 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 you're if you're if you're devaluing people in society they they can in, in, they, you 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 could transfer what's being done to one group over to another it's a dividing conquer uh a strategy and where you have people working for like if you have free labor of one group like 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 uh like with paying them little or enslavement people can't compete against that and they have to uh they have to that that that, that makes them be beholden to uh the 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 a, cor a corporation, so it, 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 because all of the, the all of the uh, uh, the uh, the security of wealth, sh food, shelter, clothing is is uh, is, um, is 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 uh, is is 
is the person is is a, is, a, is is in the hands of the slaveholder, so to speak. And um, in order in order to affect other others, I, I I do I do see like what you're doing. It sounds important. It's kind of like tearing down. It sounds like you, you, uh, an approach to get around tearing down the caste system. Like like with there's this thing like with Sears, for example, blacks weren't able to have any type of involvement with business or coming to the property and with with the mailing system that 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 gave them a way of access in buying things that they want and the internet is kind of like that in in how i think about it it's kind of like you can get around uh, a, divi- a design structure within society and you can kind of go into the metaverse kind of thing. It sounds interesting. Sorry about the ramble. Yeah, I, I think you make uh, plenty of points there, though. And you're right. You're just spelling it out like it is. Like the fact that uh, societies, and it's not just the U.S., but societies are structured around, you know, certain certain people are going to win and certain other people are not. And this is why I have the emphasis on black wealth creation, right? Because that, uh, and tech specifically, because tech is the, if the last time we had a tool like this was the beginning of the industrial revolution in the early, or late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay. Right? So I think tech for me is that tool of industrial revolution. And as you point out through social media, there's just so many options. There's so many things that crack open. You can't, um, you can't keep people uneducated simply by locating them in bad zip codes and not giving them good teachers. So I, I can go online. My kids can go online. We're not restricted like my parents were restricted back in the thirties and forties. So yeah, it's for me, it's about leveraging tech. And that's why I say you don't have to get a job at Microsoft, um, but be aware that um, leveraging tech is a great tool and there's lots of ways to leverage it. Uh, and intergenerational wealth is what we want and having equity share in technology is what we want, right? We don't just want to be consumers of um iPhones. We want to be the ones who create iPhones, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't really like to think of things along with race because it's a bit of a social construct. White people weren't white at one time, um, and uh, I, 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 see, I, 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 I could see how the 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 divide and conquer and 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 in how in how I can you see how the how it's uh how the divide and conquer with race and and how it's used yeah and it's and, it's yeah. a basic tribal um sort of thing I've said this uh, in the past where uh, tribalism is a common thing for humanity it's just a trait we have and it's how we survive right we get together mm-hmm. in villages and and we say us versus them and ours and theirs and we go to wars and all that sort of stuff. And like you said, racism isn't unique to whiteness and it's not a, it's not a, it's not a white black thing even because even in Africa, yes. <laughs> Kenya, where every, not everyone, but a lot of people are black, you know, they have strife between 
the blacks and the Indians. <laughs> Being, well, well, and, and even even within each other, and this this whole talk about like African Americans, it kind of seems weird to me because they're Americans. They're probably they're they're more they're they're the most cultured people. A lot of the culture within the United States stem from African Americans in in like the song dance the with the jazz and the blues the singing in the fields you get what I'm saying uh, yep. and, and, and and a lot of a lot of that was a lot of that artistry that aesthetics that aesthetic artistry was naturally developed and 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 it you know and 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 it moved on uh, over time it 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 it's the, the the thing about it is it's like with the, with the with the word that is used it's it blacks and their identity and saying like why aren't they getting by it's like well I'll, the outcome is racial you get what i'm saying it makes it makes it makes no sense in where you're saying well it's just because we're just not trying because it, 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 and it's not really systemic then if it's not systemic then how could the outcome be racial in 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 its uh, disparity and the thing about that is, it's like, well, it's the culture thing, but black culture is American culture. There's no connection to the past. Everything ideologically about them, a hundred fucking percent, is of American culture. I'm talking about the adaptation of what, well, like, with the slang, the, the, the lingo, and and you know what I mean. It's just everything is Americanism, being very religious, and it's and 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 um. Like when you're saying and how like people in the past, Africans are naturally diverse genetically and they oppress each other. They had their own little feudal caste system thing like the Europeans had who oppressed each other. And some people that like they, 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 there's different cultures, language, you know what I mean? And they ward amongst each other racially because they don't all look a different. They don't look, all look different. How is how is the same this how is the same outcome in regards to them equivalent? You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It it it, it 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 it's like these eugenics people. They don't really well, get hold on, that. hold on. <laughs> Before you get too far down the path, my message is about self determination and agency, right? And mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not really um, strongly advocating black, white, you know, what I will identify is that there are people that are on the downside of the, um, the riches of societies. I understand. Right? And this is true across the world. My focus, because I have a bunch of melatonin in my skin and I sit in the United States, is to help people who are in that position get a leg up, right? through technology understand right so that's a that's my my particular pitch is about that right it's like i'm not debating um the origins and i'm not debating and i would i would agree with you and i'm you justifying and i'm justifying i'm just justifying what you're doing is so right that other people who aren't black should also identify with it because a lot yeah. of the struggles blacks had it transferred over into their civil rights being achieved as well right and and I've got a friend who's of Hispanic descent from Mexico, and she's on the same mission. 
yeah. <laughs> for her melanin enhanced people, <laughs> right? And we both have a, a similar origin through the Caribbean where yeah. we were brought by people who weren't as melanin enhanced. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Like the, the skin skin is demonized in in a, yeah. in a in a superficial bullshit way where it does where it's really irrelevant, but it's trying to be made as if it's right. So we know that our, makes you stupid. <laughs> you know so we know, our, we know yeah. our history. We know what got us here. And the question I ask myself and what I'm activating on is what are we going to do about it? Uh-huh. Are we going to sit by like, for, I'll give you an example. George, the George Floyd incident uh, a couple of years ago. And I sat here in my office, you know, I said, what am I going to do about this? Am I going to go out on the streets and protest? Am I going to burn down some shops? Am I going to go, you know, raise my arms up in anger? I said, no. What I'm going to do about it is exactly what I'm doing, which is start talking about how we can find ourselves not in that situation, right? And through economic growth and development, intergenerational growth and development, education, all sorts of things. That's what I'm going to do because I that- get what you're saying. You want to be specific, and I guess you don't. I get, I get, like not wanting to like go, go like back thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, because we know, yeah. we know, we know the history. We know the history of oppression. Now, what are you going to do about it? Is the question. And my answer is, well, I don't know about the the previous thousands of years, but I know about my past forty years in tech, and I'm going to leverage that to the hilt. Oh wow, forty years. 40 years? I've been in this for 40 years, <laughs> right? It's, inter- it's interesting. It's kind of like you, you, you'd think like some people, they're in a profession and it's like, you know, I don't really care about what's going on around me. I, I'm just going to like stick to my profession. I got minds and, yep. and I'm on the beach gonna, now. And, I'm and, good. And, and you don't seem like that. You seem like you actually want to make a change. And <laughs> right. And if anything, society, you want to see what you can do to. Exactly. Right. I, I've been in this for 40 years and I've finally come to the realization. It's like, OK, now I'm educated. Now it's time to get to work. <laughs> there's, something right? that, there's something like you want something you want to kind of launch, like some type of like uh, um, something, something that you want to launch for to for, like... oh, several things, several things. And then I mean, we're probably near the end of this show, but oh. William William-A-Adams.com is my website. And all the things that I'm doing or trying to do are there. Okay. I, I think what you're doing, it's very interesting. And the reason why I was broadening it like that is because I think other people should, uh, I, I relate to it because they're working class and yep. race used to divide the working class. And some don't really get it. They think it's within their interests, but it's, it's really not. Yeah, I mean, if well, I could go on and on, and I have gone on and on for hours on the subject, we could talk about the slums of yeah. Africa and, and, and West Oakland. <laughs> you know? Because people would come in, like, like a white person would say, hey, man, you're a black supremacist and you just hate white people. It's like, man. Nope, it has nothing to do with that, you. Right? <laughs> yeah, and that's the clear place where you say, it's not about you, it's about me. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, 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 I... I, I, I think I think I think things could be done in a way that is mutual because we're both people, we're both right. working class, we're both fucking poor. There's commonality there. Why don't you see that in, the, right. in that, that fact instead of yep. this subjective view of race, which is a, which is kind of a social construct and it's used to divide. And I, I, I you know, and, 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 
and some get it some people they they do they you you they come around and it's like uh yeah uh uh i i get it but some people they don't because there's so much demonization right and, there's, and there's so much money pedal to to the hate right I, you know what i mean there's and a long to, way to go but, for us to get to a place where we're not triggered. I mean, just today, I'm, I'm sitting down watching a little bit of YouTube. And it's like, why are we still talking about Donald Trump? <laughs> you know? It's like, because it sells and, and it keeps people on their back foot. It's like, that has nothing to do with my mission. I have to focus on what I'm going to do. He's focused on his little tribe. I need to focus on my tribe. And these distractions happen all the time. So... Bottom line, my message is about leveraging tech to get us a leg up, right? That's it. Yeah. And I want to thank you so much, our listeners, for joining in. And William, I want to ask you a question. Yes. If you conducted this interview, what is the one question that you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Um, what is the, what is the best way to make a better planet? And the simple, the simple answer from me is we just need to learn to love each other. It's as simple as that. Um, all the other questions, uh, they're all, they're all very tactical or philosophical. This one, this one's perhaps philosophical as well, but it's as simple as that. It's like, how do you, how do you make a better planet? Uh, and it's not about computers. <laughs> it's just simply, we need to learn to love each other. It's as simple as that. That's my answer. Thank you for that. And we've come to the part of our interview. It's called Fun Facts Lightning Round. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'd like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the Fun Facts Lightning Round? I'm ready. Let's see. All right. Your first job? Oh, my first job. First paying job? Um, I, I worked for my brother installing water sprinklers in our neighborhood, and he paid me in pizza. Your ideal car? Um, one that has very low impact on the planet. Um, I won't say electric, but electric is probably the right way to go. The last movie you saw? Uh, there's a Indian movie called Triple R. It's an action movie we saw with, with the family. Um, you relax doing what? Um, probably number one relaxing thing is gardening. Your favorite singer or rapper? Uh, for singer, I'll go old school, Harry Belafonte, maybe Anjali Cujo. Your favorite dance song? Um, from, <laughs> this will sound kind of strange, from the, the play, The Wiz, uh, The Wizard Song, because uh, my brother, sister, and I used to dance around to that. And what food you eat every week, no matter what? Uh, whatever my wife is cooking. <laughs> work out or hit the couch? Uh, work out or hit the couch. Work out? Okay. William A. Adams, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Live. And we also want to thank our audience for joining in. Before we let you go, 
why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Yeah, the best way is william-a-adams.com, my website. And it's got all the social media thingy there. And I even do like, uh, I write a lot of blog stuff, including like coding samples and all that. Um, But it's all there on my website. All right, William A. Adams, thank you so much. That is a wrap. Thank you very much. Thank you.